Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle. Elliot Danka, Barthi Jagdish, and Ryan Huang with you. Here's a throwback, a social studies kind. <laughs> Singapore's a small red dot. We have no natural resources. What do you do? Uh, I mean, we've been hearing that narrative for years only yeah. because it's true. Yeah? It is true, yeah. And yeah. we found a way around it, to be fair. Our founding uh, fathers, mm. pioneer generation, etc. <laughs> this is starting to sound like a social studies lesson. <laughs> uh, you bring in investments. Yes, exactly. <laughs> So here's where we move from history to the future. Yeah, We've been relying a lot on foreign investments and this is, uh, I think, the right way to go moving forward as well, to tap on the reputation that we have built, yeah, the Singapore yeah. brand, and why not welcome those investments. So despite the challenges of the pandemic, mm. the EDB, the Economic Development Board, has still met, actually, its medium to long-term targets last year, securing $11.8 billion Singapore dollars worth of investments for Singapore. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a 37% drop from EDB's 2020 investment commitment. Also uh, shared at its annual year in review briefing, the projects secured last year, 2021, are expected to create 17,376 new jobs in the next five years, with about 70% of, of these for PMETs. Mm, the majority, of course, expected to be taken up by Singaporeans. Yeah. So moving forward, what more can EDB do to help Singapore remain an attractive strategic hub to keep those investments coming. We're joined now by Gillian Lim, Executive VP of the Singapore Economic Development Board. She's here to tell us more. Good morning, Gillian. Good morning to everyone listening in. Pleasure to be here. Yes, indeed. Nice to be speaking to you as well. First of all, first things first, I think we need to talk about how you managed to do all of this in a year that has been described as rough at Mm. best, you know, with the pandemic, all those headwinds. How did you manage to secure all of these investments? Well, uh, first of all, I think 2021 uh, definitely was, there there were some challenges. I think border restrictions made it uh, a little bit difficult for companies to conduct you know, their business studies, site surveys, etc., for investment commitments. But nonetheless, we raked in a very good year for 2021. In, in terms of performance on fixed asset investments, we saw a, a number of large projects from the semiconductor and biotech uh, space. And this is, I mean, for obvious reasons, right? We, we've been seeing a global chip shortage fueled by digitalization, by all your mobile devices and things like that. As well as, you know, in the healthcare sector, demand for resilience against pandemic, uh, you know, also aging population. The other area where we have seen growth uh, last year was also actually strong interest from companies continuing to put their regional headquarters operations in Singapore. And uh, this would be, you know, from the global MNCs, uh, the likes of uh, Google, Met, Amazon, they all have their regional headquarters operations here as well as use Singapore as their key innovation centers for Asia-Pacific and Southeast Asia. And more and more companies from Asia as well, actually using Singapore as a base to expand globally. So I think on that note, I think we were uh, fortunate, I think, to be able to capture quite a good share of those uh, investment prospects in Singapore. Gillian, mm. uh, we're technically going to year three of the pandemic. In your opinion, have the challenges uh, that you outline started to change or evolve for, for the business environment? A few things. I think one is 
pandemic aside, Asia mm. continues to be a growth region for many global companies. Okay. Companies tell us they take a long-term view to their investments in Asia. And secondly, I think companies um, more and more are looking at the fundamentals of an investment destination. Uh, in particular, I think uh, for Singapore in two areas, trade as well as, as uh, our talent pool. I think we place a lot of emphasis in keeping our trade links open with the rest of the world. We also have a lot of talented people in Singapore. I mean, companies feel very sh- reassured when they put investments here. They are able to ramp up their operations well. In fact, I was just uh, flipping the papers yesterday. Uh, there was an announcement by Twitter to say they'll double the number of engineers in, in, in Singapore to over 100 mm-hmm. men. And, and, and we all know there's a shortage globally for high-caliber technical talent in engineering and data science. Nonetheless, the company mentioned that uh, they have high conviction in the strength of the talent pool in Singapore because Singapore is recognized as a technology hub and they see tremendous opportunity for Singapore to attract the best talents from the region as well as around the world to actually uh, support their operations here. So we built long-standing relationships with companies, and I think it has grown the confidence and trust between companies and uh, in Singapore. Let's talk about talent a little bit more, because you mentioned companies, uh, Twitter, for example, also talking about attracting talent from the region to Singapore. But let's zero in on local talent. We know that a lot of companies have been saying there is a dire shortage of talent in the tech field, in the digital space, uh, when it comes to the local talent pool. I know a lot is being done to get people to upskill and reskill in order to stay relevant. But moving forward, what's really needed in order to ensure that we're creating culture of building competencies that will allow us to weather future storms uh, without what some might call the panic that we have witnessed amid COVID-19, you know, vis-a-vis the glaring skills shortages amid transformation? Right. Yeah, I think this is Quite an interesting point, and uh, that uh, leads me to, I think, the kind of new jobs that we have created from the the investments that we anchored uh, last year. Actually, what we are doing at EDB is actually wanting to attract a diverse and exciting career options for Singaporeans. Um, You would see in terms of the mix of the kind of jobs we're bringing in, there is a range from, you know, advanced manufacturing production floor uh, type of jobs. Also, jobs pertaining to corporate functions around supporting the regional headquarters operations, decision-making mandates uh, in Singapore. And then we have jobs in digital, which you talked about, and then jobs actually also in the area of innovation and entrepreneurship. I think it's worth mentioning, you know, the kind of skills upgrading programs by various government agencies that are available. Recently, um, EDB, we were just speaking to one of the ladies who joined the IMDA Tech Skills Programme. It helped her actually grow her skill sets to take on exciting new roles. So 22% of the jobs that we're creating from uh, last year's uh, investment projects actually will be created in the area of digital roles, for example, in cybersecurity, software, automation. And I would urge, you know, our people to actually take advantage of the kind of uh, programs that we have, we have in place um, offered by the various government agencies. And we are also expecting more green economy roles to emerge in the coming years. So all in all, I think it's about building a very resilient workforce that constantly actually having the culture and mindset to upgrade and 
just sees new opportunities uh, from, from the a diverse range of uh, career pathways that are created. I think it's brilliant what you just brought up, Jilin. And, you know, also sometimes it's not about looking at the new type of jobs, but maybe you've got to create your own jobs in that sense. What are your thoughts on, you know, how we can continue to create that culture of innovation, create that culture of entrepreneurial spirit in Singapore? Well, um, actually, EDB has also been promoting innovation through, I think traditionally would be looking at innovation from the perspective of, you know, uh, companies going through their R&D, mm. then commercializing their products and solutions for the region. But yeah. we are also actually looking at promoting innovation through corporate venturing, where EDB actually partners with uh, large companies in pilot programs to co-invest to, in, in new business lines or new business uh, ventures where uh, it's creating actually entirely new areas of growth for companies having their actually global uh, operations being based in, in, in Singapore. I mentioned this because then it creates a new culture and mindset as well around entrepreneurship. Joining a large company potentially to actually end up actually in roles in new business ventures. I would cite, for example, you know, Bosch. I think it's mm. a well-known mm. uh, name, right? In home appliance, automotive, etc. They actually have a spin-off called Aqua Easy in Singapore that actually was a setup to look into scaling up new businesses for Bosch in the region from Singapore. So ideas like that, I think another company I would cite would be the, the, the well-known for their foods, right, Dole. They've also actually created a spin-off from Singapore that looks at, uh, you know, tapping on the research uh, ecosystem here, our research institutions, our talent pool from our universities and all that, um, to actually go into innovation for new types of business ventures as well. So those kind of things, I, I feel, will be efforts that go towards, you know, building a, a mindset of uh, uh, jobs, not only in the, the corporate functions and areas and investments that we talk about, but also actually entrepreneurial uh, pathways and corporate venturing pathways. Mm, I'm glad you mentioned Aqua Easy. We actually talked about this recently on our show, a unit of the Bosch Group and Chen Hu uh, that invested a million dollars. Right. right? <laughs> so we spoke to Chen Hu about this as well. So clearly a lot is being done. Uh, what sort of hope can uh, you give to small and medium-sized enterprises as a whole in Singapore in particular? I mean, they make up such a huge part of the economy. Yeah, actually, I think I would cite two areas. Um, one would how to leverage digital mm. in the business model. I think the other is, of course, I think how to actually tap onto, you know, the, the whole businesses actually building resilience in the supply chain and being able to participate in, in regional and global supply chains a lot more. So I think working on the capability skill sets, upgrading to actually be able to leverage this to uh, enablers for, for their business growth moving ahead. Let's talk about 2022, your personal outlook for the year. I, I think for EDB, it's very clear our job in front yeah. of us is uh, we need to maintain our investment commitment numbers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the global it's, economic climate is somewhat looking up. You know, we have all yeah. my... Yeah. There's an attraction, you know, when you look at Singapore and... and, and I mean, this isn't a technical question, but you look at Singapore and you go, oh, you know, I got to invest in this place. I got people who think, I've got in-laws, mm-hmm. uh, rather relatives overseas who say, yeah, maybe I should buy a property in Singapore. There's always something. 
for you, what do you think is that X factor that Singapore has? I would say, I think we, we do not underestimate the value of the long-term relationships and, and okay. Singapore being known as a trusted hub. And uh, trust comes with a lot of, you know, strengths that we've built over the years, fundamentals that we hold core mm-hmm. to how we look at, uh, you know, Singapore as a brand name. One is we staying open and connected to the world, which I think in, we do not take for granted yeah. <laughs> in yeah. today's context here. Yeah? It takes effort, I think, to maintain those links. Um, the other is actually a, a very strong mindset towards investing in our people and our people skill sets. Always about actually continually upgrading the people and uh, developing the talent pool here for the, the economy. I think it's amid prolonged uncertainty. I think some people have been wondering, and we know this, right? This is part of the public discourse and it rears its head from time to time, where people say, hey, is there too much of a focus on bringing in foreign investments, on employing foreign manpower? What about us locals, you know? Uh, where is that balance? So, of course, the government has come out to explain this many times, that you do need to stay open to other economies, let people in so that jobs can be created for Singaporeans as well. But how do you, as EDB, manage these tensions? Where people say, you know, we should become more closed. Deglobalization is the way to go rather than globalization. How are you managing these tensions, even as you talk about opening up more amid prolonged economic uncertainty? Mm, actually, I think for us, it's very clear. It makes a lot of sense that the jobs that we bring in are created are primarily or largely for the talent pool in Singapore and our Singaporeans. So we mentioned that the new jobs, we actually put in place emphasis on uh, programs that actually will give uh, a certain leg up for Singaporeans. For example, some of the support programs actually focus on uh, local capability upgrading in uh, Singaporeans. So, and also the the jobs, when we, we talk about the investment projects, we actually go into in-depth discussions with each company to actually understand the kind of profile of jobs that are going to be created. And then we do a lot of behind-the-scenes work, right? Trying to actually work with different government agencies as well as the schools and all that to make sure that actually we have that supply when the projects come in. And also actually to do that added step of matching as well. So I think that's quite, I mean, by no means an easy effort, but definitely worthwhile and we put a lot of emphasis on that. But I mean, uh, you, you touched on a very important point. You made the point about, uh, you know, balance and man- and managing it. I, I think that is the crux of it. Mm. And already I think there are various policy levers around fair consideration framework, things like that, that are in place. Furthermore, I think uh, the government's investment into skill set building for, for Singaporeans, I think collectively, I think that's how we see that we will still need to maintain that augmented pool. Because, you know, I think our local workforce, our Singaporean workforce is not quite uh, expanding at the rate that can support the economic growth, if you think about it. So I think that's where it is something that I think the whole of government is very aware of and, and looking at uh, very carefully. Uh, thank you so much for your insight this morning. We've been speaking with Jillian Lim, Executive Vice President, Singapore Economic Development Board. Jillian, you take care and stay safe, yeah? Yeah, you too. Everybody take care, stay safe. 
To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.